0: Jesus, we thank you for the words that we've sung, and Lord, we thank you that they're not just words from our lips that we sing every week, but they're a testimony to our lives, a testimony to our experience and to your hand, your work in each and every one of us. We thank you that life may have reduced our lives to ashes, but you come into the midst of the ashes and you do what nobody else could do. You turn ash into a beautiful work. You turn destruction into something wonderful. Lord, we praise you that you are the God of miracles. We thank you that by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit that our lives are never the same. Lord, as we come to your Word this morning, Holy Spirit, like David said, at the entrance of your Word, there is light. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be illuminated to all of the wonderful things that you have in store for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that in the moments that we have together this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would be among us, and that you would perfect the work that you've started within us, that you'd bring us further on into being more like Jesus, our Savior. We ask this in your name for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big shout in this place. Let's thank our musicians. Haven't they served us wonderfully this morning? Fantastic. You may be seated. Well, you know, this morning the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about this service for a number of weeks now. And um, I know that He's going to do something in our hearts this morning. He's going to bless us. He's going to enrich us. For every single one of us, the Holy Spirit has a purpose. For every single one of us, I'm sure we're aware that he has a plan for us. And part of that plan Jesus spoke about in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, this, the, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. God wants our lives to flourish. God wants our lives to be a beautiful thing. He really does. God wants our lives to to achieve everything that He has desired for them, everything that He has planned for each and every one of our lives. God wants to see all of His intentions and all of His plans for our lives to actually become our experience of life. He really does. God doesn't want any single one of us in, in a place where our lives are deficient, in a place where our lives are under the heel of circumstance being held back, being held down. God wants our lives to flourish and to grow into everything that he has destined for them to be. He really does. He really does. He loves us with a passion. He, 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 he loves us. Oh, his love for us is great. And for the time that we have this morning, I want us to think about God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness in relation to our lives. You know, if God didn't forgive us, then we would never ever be able to have a right relationship with Him. We'd never be able to thrive We'd never be able to grow in in a relationship and a union with him like we do. However, the Bible tells us very clearly that God has forgiven us. As a result of his love, as a result of what he has done and achieved in Jesus Christ on the cross, he has forgiven us. And it's a reality, it's a fact, and when we receive it, by faith and we put our trust in it, it actually becomes a blessed experience within our lives. God is a forgiving God. He really is. And there are many, many accounts in the Bible that assure us of God's character and God's nature to forgive us. One I'm thinking of now in one of John's epistles. John was an apostle, a writer to the church. And he says this, if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's not only faithful, his character is not only faithful, But he is just. He has done everything. He has achieved all of the work, all of the necessary details regarding your life to be just so that he can forgive you and you can go free and I can go free. He's a forgiving God. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But not only does God forgive us, But he asks us to forgive one another. Now that's a whole different ball game. That's a whole different issue. And this is where we're going to go this morning. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. But not only God's forgiveness of us, but our forgiveness toward one another. And this is really where The rubber hits the road for each and every one of us. I'm not necessarily talking about you looking around this room and wondering who to forgive. I'm talking about possibly issues in our lives that may have happened a long time ago that's causing a huge obstruction in you going forward, in you achieving everything that God has for you. Because the issue is about forgiveness. The great news, the wonderful news, is that you haven't got to do this on your own. You really haven't. You have the power and the life of the Holy Spirit within you to enable you to forgive. It's His life, not your life, that enables you to live free and in a place of forgiveness. But it's not easy. It's not easy. When we have to look back in our past, when we hear the mention of certain people's names, it can immediately bring up all kinds of memories, all kinds of feelings, all kinds of hurts, and all kinds of pains. Just the mention of a certain name can take us back in our mind years. Why? Because the issue in our heart though maybe forgotten and covered by life, quickly becomes uncovered if it's not dealt with by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit is in this place to enable every single one of us to empower us to walk in forgiveness. It's not possible just by our own strength, but together as God's family, together as God's church, we can help one another we can encourage one another we're on the same road together we're in the same home together and your care is my care my care is your care my burden is your burden why because we are many parts of the same body and when the when the hand hurts the head knows it and the rest of the body feels the pain going through it we can help one another but not only can we help one another, Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, enables us to walk in the same level of forgiveness that he walked in, that he walked in. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the mention of a name can take you back into a circumstance years ago, and that that very mention can bring up and conjure up all kinds of imaginations and all kinds of pictures. And you can have all of the reasons in your mind as to why you shouldn't let that issue go. But you know what? That issue can really eat away at our hearts. It can really eat away at the great things that God has for us. It can, it can really be destructive. And that's why God wants to empower each and every one of our lives to know the life and the strength of forgiveness working through us. You know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, you know the, you know the Scripture well, talked about a mountain, didn't he? And he talked about seed-like faith, speaking to that mountain, And that huge obstruction being overturned and thrown aside so that the life before it can walk and move beyond it. Let me ask you this question. What would it be like to live without the mountain towering over your life? What would it be like to live free, to no longer have that ugly shadow being cast over your life from the past? I'm telling you now, the answer seems so small, so minute. It's that seed faith that God has put in your heart. If you will appropriate it and take hold of the word of God, you will speak to that ugly thing that's in your past, that's so dominating, that's so obstructing, that casts its shadow over everything, you will speak to it. And the power of God will go forth from your mouth, and that thing will be thrown aside. That's the power of what I'm talking about. You read back in Genesis one, we sung about it, in the song that we just sang. You read in Genesis 1, the first chapter in the Bible. and God just sees the earth that He's created, and he says this: it is formless and it is void. It's empty. And it has no purpose, so what does he do? He immediately sends his spirit to brood over that dark mass, over that chaotic earth. And the spirit is brooding and the spirit is moving. And then suddenly, God speaks and says, let there be light. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, even without your awareness of him, is brooding over areas of all of our lives, waiting for the command, waiting for the word, let there be light and there will be light and God will say it's good and you will walk in a new life, you will walk in a new area of experience formerly never known because of that mountain shadowing over you and towering over you. But God speaks and God declares And what God declares is so. It really is. So this morning, this morning, the Holy Spirit wants us to know that He is going to bring freedom in our lives. Maybe it'll be an immediate thing this morning as you leave this place. Maybe it will be a gradual thing. But the thing that has been hounding you, haunting you, towering over you, saying, you'll never overcome me, saying, you'll never get past me, saying that your life will always be this way. No, that is coming to an end today. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is going to do His thing. Why? Because He loves you. He loves us so much. He really does. You know, recently, again, this message was just enforced by just a simple little instance in what was happening one day in church. Faye and Haley were going through a huge mountain of paperwork, 19 years of church records that was mounting up. Oh, man, what, we, what, what, what are we going to do with this? And in the end, they loaded them into dustbin bags. I think there were 12 dustbin bags and they put them in the foyer. And do you know what? We made one call. One call to a man who loaded them in a van. He took it down to Cardiff. And in one moment, chucked it in a furnace and incinerated 19 years of history. Of history. Do you know what? The, the, the illustration, the picture is a very simple one. In Hebrews chapter, let me see. Run ahead of myself. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, God, talking about himself, says this, that God is an all-consuming fire. An all-consuming fire. And that's not, that's not a thing to be feared, although we must reverence him. And we must have a godly fear that's right, full and respectful, But God is an all-consuming fire. He consumes anything that is going to bring you down, consumes anything that's going to harm you, consumes anything that you take to Him that you don't want to hang around in your life any longer. He'll consume it. He'll deliver you of it. He'll set you free from it. You don't have to walk any longer in unforgiveness. You know, the Romans had a terrible form of punishment when they wanted to inflict pain on a prisoner. Very often they would get a dead body and tie it to the back of the criminal, and the criminal would have to walk around with that dead corpse strapped to its back for the rest of his or her life. It was the most painful it was the most cruelest form of punishment that could be imposed upon a person. And slowly, as that dead body decomposed, it would eat itself into the life of the prisoner, of the criminal. And slowly and, and, and torturously, they would die themselves. It was, it was absolutely awful, completely inhumane. Do you know, very often, that's what it's like with unforgiveness. That's what it's like with our past. With all of its gory details, it's tied to us. It's attached to us. And very often, we can't set ourselves free from it. And it eats its way into our life. And we think, oh, if only it hadn't have happened Life would be so different, but I'm telling you now, whom the sun sets free, is free. Indeed, he's free. Indeed, God has come through the power of His, through the power of forgiveness, to cut that thing off our lives, to set us free from all of those old things that try to creep in and spoil what God has for us. That mountain, that mountain is going to be moved. And it's going to be moved as a result of you taking God's word and speaking to it from your mouth. You are no longer going to live under the dark shadow of an incident from years ago. You are no longer going to live under the horror of circumstances that that have long gone by. You are going to be free you're going to reign, you're going to conquer, you're going to be more than a conqueror. Through Christ, who strengthens you, you're not going to be conquered, you're going to conquer. You're going to conquer. Paul, the apostle, revealed the wonderful traits of God's love and His nature to a church that was struggling with forgiveness. That was one of the issues. Struggling with a lot of issues. A lot of fighting going on. A lot of actions that were wrong. They were getting it wrong. They were just doing things that they shouldn't do. And instead of trying to go in there and shout at them and point out all their wrongs and and really get nasty with them, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he reveals this, this wonderful light, this wonderful way forward so that they themselves could correct all of the wrongdoing that was occurring among them. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know the, you know the, uh, the chapter. It's all about love. It's about God's love. And Paul the Apostle talks about this love In amazing ways, he says it's a love that's patient. It's not nasty. It's not unkind. It's not abusive. It's a perfect love. It's a patient love. It suffers long when it's wronged. It endures. In fact, it never fails. This love never, ever fails. It doesn't rejoice in evil it rejoices in good and you can trust this love and you can bring this love into the center of any crisis into the center of any problem into the center of any situation and it will win every time so he gives this wonderful revelation to the church at corinth for them to see and for them to take an appropriate in their needs But this is the scripture that, or the verse that I want us to pick up on. Just verse 5 and a phrase that has really become important to me and I'm sure important to you. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, talking about love, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And here's the phrase that I want us to really think about this morning. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you know, it's easy, isn't it, within your life and within your mind, within your emotions, to have a huge filing system, the record of wrongs. And, you know, it's amazing when things come up, it's amazing when situations put us in a corner that we put a, pull a file on somebody, and we look at the record of wrongs, and, we, and, and it's got specific details of all of the facts, but love keeps no record of wrongs. When you're moving in the love of God, and when the love of God has truly been shed abroad in your heart via the Holy Spirit, as Paul said in Romans 5, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, when the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in your heart. It's impossible to keep a record of wrongs. You don't have to keep a record of wrongs. What a release. What a blessing. To know that there's a power available, the love of God within our hearts that enables us not to keep any records of any wrongs about any person in our past. The record of wrongs can be incinerated just like those 12 bags of paperwork. All of the records, 19 years of history, suddenly incinerated, no more records no more records, friends. Do you know what? God doesn't keep a record about you or I. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Listen to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. That's a God who says, Listen, I'm not interested in any kind of record or in any kind of sinful detail, in any kind of past. I'm not going to bring it up in my presence. I keep no record of it. I remember it no more as far as the East is from the West. So far is there sin from me. He's put it away. You're righteous, you're clean, you're holy, you're pure. Really are. No record exists about your life. What's your reference now then? It's not in some old past history, in some ho- ho- old past sin. That, that you've committed, what's your reference point now? I'll tell you your reference point. It's found in Romans chapter 8 and many other chapters. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is Christ that has died. It is God that has justified you. Paul references, references his past and his life as coming into Christ. He says this, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That's your reference point. All things passed away, behold all things have become new. We have to remind ourselves continually about this. We really do, but the Holy Spirit is going to help us, and i 'm not singling out any person here this morning i'm telling i 'm telling you that this is This is an area and a dimension for all of us to live in. For all of us to live in. It really is. And the Holy Spirit is giving us access to this dimension. Paul said this to the Ephesians I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He didn't want them to all become theologians. He wanted them to have such an eye-opening experience in their understanding of how Christ lived and how Christ walked and how Christ is so that it could be diffused into their life so that no matter what met them in their experience, they could forgive They could turn the other cheek. They could walk the extra mile. They could love their enemies just like Christ did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the power of the Christian life. This is the power that's vested inside every single one of us. You have the power to overcome and conquer every hurt, every incident, every pain, every dark moment. You are free in Jesus' name. You really are. You are free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. Call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. This is a reality, friends. This is a blessing and a portion that we are to enjoy. Really is. I want to this morning invite Anne Matthews to just come and speak to us. And I'm telling you, man.
1: <laughs>
0: come on, let's give Anne a big cheer. Soldier for Jesus. You see, the Bible says, don't just be hearers, hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. And um, Anne's going to tell you a story, and I'm telling you now, she's a doer of the Word. She really is. And really, what Anne is going to share with you really embodies everything that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. So, come on, let's give Anne another clap. Go on.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, unforgiveness, I mean, what David said is absolutely amazing. Uh, and I've experienced that. But what I want to say first of all, when you've got unforgiveness in you, it's like a cancer. It eats into you. And the person that you cannot forgive or you're not willing to forgive goes about their life. They don't know about that. they probably probably not a good time. They don't think about anything that you are going through. So really, unforgiveness in you is a waste of time. Um, many years ago, my uh, has, uh, husband, as he was then, he left me for somebody else. This is years ago now, and left my daughter and I in, in a very dire situation, and it ended up we lost everything. Um, but all that time, God was with us. He looked after us. My husband, as he was then, he went off. He had three foreign holidays that year, and it was having a good time. I was left he took the money he took it's a long story but it was a very very dire situation and very very difficult not to get angry and very very bitter about all this and people would say to me how on earth can you put up with that i'd kill him if i was if i had him i got all that when i was in work people used to say to me how on earth could you forgive somebody like that but you see when you listen to god's word And you read the word and you know exactly if you don't forgive, there are consequences. And I was coming to church. We lived in Llangatoc then and I used to travel down to Kings. And we were blessed. We were looked after. God made sure we were provided for. We didn't go without a meal or anything like that. And then at some time I felt, what's happening, Lord? You don't seem to be answering my prayers the blessing seemed to stop. And I wondered about this, and I I thought, I don't understand. God, you've always answered my prayers. What's happening? And things were getting worse and worse. And then one day, I had this picture of all I can think of to call them are tunnels coming from my head. There were seven long tunnels coming from my head. I could see the end of them, and at each end was like A cork a plug and I stayed home from work one Sunday because I said Lord I've got to just find what's happening here I need to know and I prayed like I never prayed before and those seven tunnels they represented my hope my provision my protection my favor forgiveness my joy and my future and god showed me this clearly and i said god what have i got to do what do you want me to do and quite clearly he just said you have to forgive and this went round and round in my mind and i thought now my husband as he was then hadn't spoken to me for two years up to that point point," and i thought how am i going to do this so i rang him up and all I said, he, he was quite angry on it for what you want. And I said, well, I need to tell you that I've forgiven you. And the line went quiet. And I said, I really forgive you. What do you mean? I said, well, for everything you've done, I forgive your girlfriend. I forgive you. I want us to be friends. And he was absolutely dumbstruck about all this because he was guilty. You know, he knew he was guilty about everything. And I don't want to speak ill of him now because he's not with us anymore. But as time went on, and it took some time, but we got friendly again. And he got friendly with Colwyn. Colwyn and he became very good friends. And this went on, and when there was a birthday, we would invite him to the party If there was an anniversary or christmas time we would always invite him to our home and he was absolutely dumbfounded he was always very wary like what's going on and i kept saying well i've forgiven you you know let's just be friends and forget everything and then he was diagnosed with cancer and he became very very ill and I was able to help my daughter nurse him for six months. And during that time, he would say to me, why would you do it after all I've done to you? And I'd say, well, God told me to forgive you. And I have forgiven you. And I loved him in a friendly way, of course. But I loved him to look after him. Colwyn and I used to go and fetch him and bring him down to our home on weekends to give Jessica a break. And he was so grateful. He was so absolutely great. He knew I was a Christian and he he did blame that at one time for, for going off, but anyway. But he was our friend and we were friends to him. And then he became very much worse and we would take it in turns to stay overnight look after him, nurse him. And then the week before, um, he died. And by this time, I was absolutely free. I had no qualms about looking after him. I wanted to look after him. I wanted to make sure he was comfortable and he had food in the house. And all that was because I'd forgiven him. Well, a week before he died, he had a stroke, And it took away his speech, took away his hearing, and it took away his eyesight. And he became, but he was very, very strong. And he couldn't speak. And then one night, his brother and I were there looking after him through the night, waiting for the next lot of nurses to come. And we heard a noise. And they'd given him such a strong dose of sleeping draft it was stronger than morphine they'd given him something because they said he's not going to last the night we heard a noise and we went upstairs and he was on the landing and i couldn't believe it and we helped him and then his brother took a bad turn he was terrified and i said Well oh, will go out and get some fresh air so i was just there with my ex-husband then And I was trying to talk to him, come on, you know, you've got to fight this, you've got to come on. And he just looked up. Now, he hasn't spoken for over a week or heard or seen, but I was still talking to him. And then suddenly he said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when his brother came back, we led him back into the bedroom and... The nurses came, one thing or another. But the following morning, he passed away. I was free. I had no guilty conscience. If I hadn't forgiven him, I'd have had that on my mind for the rest of my life, I'm sure. Because he did, at one time, mean a lot to me. But then, his face became peaceful. All the strain of the, the illness and everything was because I think he called upon the name of Jesus when he couldn't speak. And that all because I'd forgiven him. If I hadn't been in contact with him and forgiven him, he goodness knows what would have happened, I don't know. But you see, you can't afford not to forgive people. As Dave preached this morning, Jesus forgave us and forgotten our sins. So who are we to hold things against one another? Faye said last week, you know, we have to love one another. And that's no exception to anybody. We have to, and who are we to judge? God says, I am the judge. So if you've got anything, anything in your life, and it's easy to hold, hold unforgiveness um, because people do nasty things to each other and, and all this, but believe you me, if you turn back to that person, if you ring them up, send them a letter, email them, do whatever, just just say, I forgive you. And mean it, believe it, and carry on the rest of your life knowing that you are free. I can tell you your life will change. Mine did, and I'm sure as you will too. Thank you.
0: Wonderful. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close the service in a moment. I'm going to ask Faye to come as well. We're going to just pray together. But you know, the Bible says that we're to follow good examples in the faith. And there are many people in this place, that all different types of examples, some generous examples. Let's look at those and find out who those are and follow their way of faith. Anne and Colwyn are a great example telling you of forgiveness. I could talk to you about forgiveness all day from the Bible, but isn't it better to hear how somebody's walked that road and embraced obediently what Jesus has instructed to do. I remember Colwyn years ago now, when I first started here. I used to play Colwyn at squash every Thursday, and he used to always beat me. You know, Col, I don't know if I've ever forgiven you for that, Col. He would, serious now, he would never, ever let me win. Not even one point. I'd be sweating my head off, trying to get one point from him, and he'd just whip me every week But you know what? In that period when we were playing squash, and it was probably for about two year, maybe three year period, I know because I was watching that Colwyn was going through a very difficult time in this church. People around him saying things that were not nice about him. He knew knew about him. I knew about him. But I watched Colwyn, you see. I observed him. Do you know what he didn't do? He didn't just fight back and try and defend himself and argue his corner. I was watching him. He didn't even say anything to me. He didn't try to put on his pain on me and try and influence me. But I watched. Sat at the back. Two or three years, just sat there patiently. And then the day came when God vindicated him and Anne. Do you know, this couple have walked in forgiveness. They've seen the power of it. Is it painful? Yes. Does it seem impossible to actually do this stuff? Yes, it does. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need his spirit to help us. But you know, when you go to your knees and you just say, oh Lord, I can't get rid of this mountain in front of me. I can't. I can't see any end to its shadow and any, any end to the shame of it. When you go to your knees and you just say, Jesus, help me. Nobody else can. Do you know what? He does help you. He does help you and he enables you to use that small faith within your heart to remove that thing forever. And I think it's a wonderful testimony, a wonderful testimony to what Jesus has done in Anne's life. Go on.
1: Uh. When you stand up here, all your nerves are like... And I forgot something. Do you mind? I'd said about these uh, blocks on the end of these tubes. Once I'd forgiven, I went back to the Lord and I said, Lord, what else do you want me to do? And he showed me these tubes again and all the, the corks popping off and all those blessings came into my life again and i haven't looked back since